FX Medicine is your gateway to news, resources and information on the safe, evidence-based approach to practising complementary and integrative medicine. Visit fxmedicine.com.au to sign up for e-news and stay up to date with the latest research, podcasts and industry information. This is FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Joining me on the line today all the way from Adelaide, South Australia, is Jessica Donovan, a mama of two, naturopath and holistic health expert who helps families to thrive. She's passionate about educating parents on nourishing their children with real food. Now there's a concept. Helping to boost their health and to heal naturally. Jessica combines her extensive naturopathic knowledge with a realistic, empathetic and inspiring down-to-earth approach to empower women to look after themselves and take charge of the well-being of their families. She also helped other practitioners, and this is really interesting, to get their businesses online by supporting them to get clear on their message, build their online audience, create online programs and launch them out into the world, which you have done very successfully, I do understand. Jessica, welcome to FX Medicine. Hello, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. <laughs> now, first, let's go back. What's your background? How how did you get into natural medicine? Yeah, so I got into um, naturopathy fairly young, actually. I, I finished um, high school and I always knew I wanted to do something in, in the health field. You know, I looked at physio and I looked at speech pathology and I looked at nutrition. Um, and I decided to have a year off after I finished high school and ended up working in a cafe with a, with a girl who was studying to be a naturopath. Um, and so she, just her talking about what she was doing really, it seemed to kind of combine all of the things that I was interested in, you know, you got to learn about nutrition and you got to learn about anatomy and physiology and you got to learn about, um, you know, like massage and, and sort of physical therapy. Um, so that's, so it was in that year that I decided to um, take the plunge and study to be a naturopath. Um, so that was, I graduated in 2000, so mm. 17 years ago. Um and oh, since since being qualified, I've sort of worked in lots of different clinics, um, sort of all all around the world. I went travelling after I graduated and um, landed some really um, great jobs in in London and other parts of the UK and Canada. So that wow. was some really great great work experience. Yeah, yeah. No, I've got to ask. Like it it just seems to me over the airwaves that you've always been a foodie. Was that your household growing up? Have we, your parents this way inclined? Yeah, look, my mum, my mum's a real cook, but you know, we definitely grew up on, on quite a bit of processed food as well. I remember, you know, my mum's shopping day, she would bring home, you know, the big 12 packs of, of crisps or chips and um, chocolate bars and um, you know, so we had we had a fair bit of processed food growing yeah. up, only because I don't think my mum really knew any any better. So she was she was into food. She was always in the kitchen. She was always cooking up something. But 
sort of, I guess, not probably to the standard that I that I cook today. And even that she cooks today, she's really changed her ways. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and what what about your dad? Like what, what was his, as a father, looking out for his daughter, you know, going out into the world and exploring a career and things like that, what was his opinion when you said, I'm going to be a naturopath? Yeah, they were, they were both quite supportive, but they were also a little bit, um, you know, they didn't even really know what a naturopath was. And back then it was a little college that I studied at. It wasn't a university and I, I had gotten into university to do a, a science degree. So they were a little bit sceptical, you know, I had to sort of talk, talk them into it a bit because I had to borrow some money off them to, um, <laughs> yep. to, to enroll in my program. But on the whole, you know, they they wanted me to do what what I um, was passionate about. So, so have you paid your mum back by cooking classes? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, I have to ask, you're, you've very successfully moved your naturopathic business onto an online space. What was your motivation for doing this? I mean, that's that's a big thing to do, isn't it? Well, yeah, I guess it is. I, I've always been interested in in the business side of, of running a clinic um, and I had this, you know, this little tweak um, of, of interest in, in online business and online marketing. Um, I think it just really appealed to me because the, it felt like the opportunity there was huge, almost almost limitless. Um, and I, so I, you know, the, the big motivation for me moving online was to be able to reach more people than I could in my clinic alone. Because when you have an online business, you can, you know, you can change people's lives that live on the other side of the world by, you know, them reading your blog or doing an online or one of your online programs. And that is, is what I'm doing now, which is really exciting. Um, and I guess personally, from a personal perspective, I wanted more freedom um, in my own life. I've got two children um, and I like to sort of have, have a balanced life. We like to travel. So being in a clinic room five days a week seeing clients wasn't really um, what it didn't really appeal to me. So, yeah, they were the main motivators um, for getting my business online. You, you, you remind me so much of Tammy Guest, I've got to say. <laughs> I, I don't know if you know her. But she's um, Yeah, I I do know oh, of her. Oh. I've, never, I've never met her. I've seen, you know, I've seen her around yep. online but yep. I um, and I've seen her stuff. She, yeah, she does some amazing things. Oh, um, she's, and going, I guess we, she's going to be flying a helicopter around the world. I know. I, I think <laughs> I heard her talking about that on another podcast. <laughs> it's just amazing. Amazing. Yeah, amazing, amazing stuff. Mm. You, you two have got to hook up. But I love yes. that. I love what, what you were talking about with regards to freedom because so many people feel shackled. Indeed, I, I remember talking to another practitioner that sort of mentors naturopaths with their, their clinic life and, and Keone Moore is her name and she locked the clinic one night in tears, shattered to her mm. core. She was not going to come back the next day. Mm. The, gone, done. Wow. And something happened. It was, it was something happened that night to, for her to come back the next day. And it's a, it's a big story to, to listen to on another podcast that we've done with Keone. But I think the interesting thing is that to have that freedom, but I have to 
play this sort of devil's advocate with you. How do you cope with this sort of, you know, the, the ethical consideration of consulting with a patient, seeing what they're like in front of you, the spark of they, their eye, if they got a limp, you know, what are their clothes like? Are they looking after themselves? How do you balance that with having an online business? Yeah, and that is such a good question. So it's it's really a whole different approach that you have to take online. You know, you're well. What what I mainly do online is um is like online group programs. So um, I have a healthy kids program um called Natural Super Kids. Um, so it's teaching parents how to look after their kids' health. And so we're not looking at each person individually in that sort of situation um it's really getting i mean i'm sure naturopaths and practitioners listening know that information that they tend to repeat over and over in clinic you know to one client and then the next client and then the next client you know there's those common themes that we educate our our clients about and that's really the the information the content that that translates really well into an online program or an ebook so it's not necessarily um, you know the one on one work that that I'm doing too much of online it's yeah. more the um, you know the the base education um, which um, is you know can can make a really big difference in people's lives oh hell yeah <laughs> and uh, <laughs> look uh, you just tweak something in my brain. We we need your sort of e- e-books and things like that in schools because yeah. the, I mean, my wife is a teacher aide um, and the heartbreaking stories that she brings home to me inevitably, and it's not just the lower socioeconomic kids, by the way, people who, kids who come to school with horrible Junk food. I get the place for junk food. I get it. But yeah. as a staple nutrition type main meal of the day, lunch, yeah, it, it, they don't really, have yeah. anything. They have packets of t- chips and twisties. And it, so <laughs> how do you reach that audience? Yeah, well, it is it is really frustrating. I agree. I mean, we've got a, at my kids' school, we've got a no, no packet policy, but it's not you know, really well policed. Um, So, I mean, at least they're encouraging kids to, or parents to pack, um, you know, lunches that, lunch boxes that aren't full of packets. So it gets people thinking. So yeah, it's a tricky one how to reach that audience. I think my my hurdle um, when it comes to working with schools is, you know, the my advice doesn't necessarily um, go with the, you know, the traffic light system um, advice that the dietitians and um, government agencies recommend yes. for kids. So um, I haven't, I haven't actually been down that that route. But you know, it's it, the, the people that you can reach online is just really amazing. I mean, with Facebook ads, you can target. Um, specific people, you know, you, I can I can target mums with kids in a certain age bracket who like a certain other Facebook page. Um, so it's pretty amazing what you can do with, with online marketing in terms of targeting your your ideal audience. Right, I love I love what you're doing. Rather than this insidious orgeting about the. I'm I'm going to try and sidestep any legal litigation here from, you know, let's say ah. <laughs> Uh, a smiley meal, 
<laughs> Let's say that. Mm-hmm. It's a smiley yeah. meal. Um, smiley meal. A smiley meal um, from a rather family, rather large Scottish name family restaurant um, <laughs> t- to at least doing some good by targeted advertising, at least like really doing some base good for these kids because we've got great information from, you know, esteemed researchers like, Professor um, Felice Jacker about how important it is for growing kids to have good food in their in their tummies so that they mm. can actually think, indeed so that they can actually be happy. So mm. it, there's just, it's so important what you're doing. And yeah, it, it, and look, I really try and have a, a realistic approach for mums because I think, you know, mums are, mums are overwhelmed. Yeah, there's so sure. much information out there and they feel like, um, you know, some of these more... Um, you know, more, I guess, strict or extreme um, or what people might think are extreme ways of eating, like, you know, going feeling like they have to go completely paleo or um, follow the gaps approach, which, you know, uh, can be really beneficial for a lot of families. But a lot of families just find that all too much. So I try and be that person that's realistic and just really starting from where you are and and building building on that because I think any any extra nourishment we can get into our kids um, is going to be beneficial in the long run. Absolutely. So I've got to ask you, as a mama of two, um, how do you cope with the fussy eater stage? The I'm not eating that. I've I've seen this with my kids, and particularly one, particularly my younger. He well, God, he was a shocker, and his determination. I dip my hat to you, Liam. Um, his dogged determination one time, one month, he just said enough himself by himself. And he totally changed his diet around. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, it, just amazing. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but how do you this do this? Is, how do you, well, how do you cope is, with fussy, that fussy time of life? Yeah, this is a question. That's probably the biggest question that I get asked actually. And the biggest challenge that, um, that parents have is the, is the fussiness of their kids. And some can be, you know, shocking. The only, oh. You know, they won't eat any fruits or any vegetables. So, you know, it's a, it's a big picture it's a big, um, approach. Yeah. And I think it's really, you know, there's lots of different things, you know, coming down to the basics of um, making sure there's plenty of, you know, fresh whole food stocks in the kitchen that yes. they have access to. Um, and, you know, sitting down and eating as a family, the big, the big thing yes. that I see so much more these days, you know, parents are working longer hours, kids have really busy schedules. So, you know, the kids are, are sitting down and eating early and the parents are sitting down and eating later. And that sets up kind of a like, you know, mum or dad serving the kids something that they know they'll like. Yep. Um, so it really starts to narrow the repertoire of foods that they eat. Whereas if you sit down as a family, you know, I, I um, talk about the one meal for a family approach. So not cooking two, three, four different meals to suit everybody. Whoops. You know, this is what we're having for dinner. <laughs> but but also remaining neutral, you know, not forcing them to eat it. This is what there is. There's nothing else, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, you don't have to eat it, but you know you're not going to have a bowl of cereal to fill up your tummy afterwards if you if you don't eat this. So yeah, yeah that sort of thing. And and as a starting point, I talk to parents about you know adding nutrition to foods that kids already like. So if they love pancakes, how about 
you know, putting some um, chia seeds and fresh blueberries and maybe changing the flour to a buckwheat flour. Yeah. Um, you know, that might might happen slowly. But but looking at what your child already likes and already accepts and making small changes from there can be a really good place to start. Yeah. You know, I've got to say um, one of the key, key things that I have been exposed to, you know, growing up in Orange and New South Wales and and having access to a sort of country lifestyle, if you like. Not that, not that we mm-hmm. lived on a farm, but my sister has a, 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 you know, call it a potty farm where she has this incredible veggie garden. And I remember taking our kids down there when they were younger and we gorged ourselves on her fresh veggie garden. They didn't get to the mm. table. And I remember as a kid even in Canberra growing radishes, radishes, me. <laughs> Like this is a kid and I used to eat radishes, get them out of the ground, rub the dirt off and munch on them. Now, yeah, okay. And eat them. And eat them. And I'm weird. I know I'm weird. Probably explains a lot about me today. But, um, but you know, beans, um, peas, never made it to the table. We'd eat them. What I love about some of the schools, particularly like, for instance, what they're doing in Queensland and, and I've heard about some other areas is that they actually have a produce area at the school. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? So important because they learn that connection. Where does this vegetable come from? Yeah, exactly. And that's that's another big thing with fussy eaters, getting them involved somehow in in the food journey, whether it's growing food or whether it's helping you pick food at the market or the supermarket or, Ah, you know, helping to cook. Um, And I know as busy parents it can be a bit, you know, it takes longer if kids are involved. but. Um, equipping them with with those skills is really important. And also, you know, kids are often much more likely to eat something that they've prepared or grown, like you're talking about with the radishes. My kids will pick parsley, you know, out of the garden and eat it. But if I put a pile of parsley on their plate, they wouldn't eat it. Oh, really? Ah. (laughs) Mm. I like Mm. your point about getting them involved in the shopping because our boys have always helped my my wife out with this. Mm. And... um, you know, like, for instance, I've got a photo. In, indeed, I took this the other day and sent it to my wife. I just said, there's Liam shopping and there's Liam buying, picking his own fruit and it, it, giving me advice, by the way, and saying, hey, listen, Dad, can you buy these oranges rather than those ones because those ones are really stringy? <laughs> it was a cracker. It was a cracker. Yeah. I loved it. But I think it's really important if you, you know, obviously there's the challenges of distraction where you've got the enormous amount of, you know, impulse marketing um, for the lollies and the fast food there. But if you can get them to go around the outside of most supermarkets and certainly start yeah. in the veggie fe- section, get them to help you. This is what it is. I need some carrots. Look at the carrots. So this is the different carrots. Um, we need the baby carrots or, you know, to teach them yeah. some differential. Is that what you've, yeah. is that what you found useful though, practically? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, um, it empowers them as well. Okay, And, you know, they can maybe choose a fruit or a vegetable or a couple of fruits or vegetables for the week that they might want packed in their lunchbox gotcha. or they might want to make, make, a, yeah, make mm. a meal out of. Um, so I think it's really important. And kids like that. You know, they like to feel empowered. They like to feel like they've, they're having a say as opposed to mum putting a plate of food in front of them and, you know, telling them to make sure they eat it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I've, I've mm. got to ask this question, though. You're a foodie. You love what you do. That would inspire others. What about when you get the normal poor diet, processed food, everything's in a packet, that's how they've lived, mum and dad, 
dear badah, now they yeah. say they want to change. That's a hard struggle even for the parent to do that. How do you find that works? How, how well do you find that works when you yeah, offer them these things? Yeah, so it, it, it needs to be a slow process. Um, and I've learned that personally um, just recently. We, we've just come back from a big 13-month uh, trip around Australia and yeah. we went to some remote areas um, where we couldn't get access to the, you know, the good whole food <laughs> diet that yeah. we normally have. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I bought a box of breakfast cereal and we had to buy, um, you know, more processed and refined crackers and things like that that my kids really hadn't had much of in the past. And, you know, we had to have those foods. We were up in the um, north of Western Australia in the Kimberley and yeah. we were out there for three weeks. So we just couldn't get access to fresh food. And then coming back into, you know, back into um, civilization again and trying to get my kids back onto the, you know, the nut and seed um, muesli that we would normally yeah. have for breakfast, they, they, were not, <laughs> they were not loving it. Oh, really? That <laughs> no. quickly? So, that, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, that quickly. Their taste changed so quickly. So what I did is, I, you know, it was, it was actually a good little experiment for me because this is the sort of thing that I encourage um, other parents to do. But my kids, you know, I'm a naturopath. My, parents have, my kids have always had this sort of health, healthy food, um, so I haven't had to transition them. But, but So what I would do is just slowly make the transition. So, um, you know, we had some Sultana brand, I think it was. So we started adding the nut and seed muesli to the Sultana brand and slowly sort of crowding it out. So that's what I generally recommend is, is start making changes slowly and see how your children respond. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I th I, that's a really good example, though, that, you know, they went from a healthy diet to a poor diet out of necessity and you mm -hmm. had that. You, you actually had to do, you had actually had to walk your talk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is always a good thing to do as a practitioner, you know, actually live it. Because yeah. giving the advice is one thing, but actually seeing what it, what it is, is like is another, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, you mentioned that, you know, a couple of times now, you, you spent 13 months going around Australia. How did that impact your clinic um, yeah. your bricks and mortar clinic, you know, how, how did it, did you have this drop off of patients suddenly when you left and you said, bye bye for now, or, or did you warn patients? What, <laughs> how did you, yes. how did you, um, implement that? So, so it was a, it was planned, you know, it was planned, um, sort of 10 months in advance and me having the online business was really the, you know, the thing that enabled us to be able to do it. Cause we, I could, I could work from anywhere, um, and I didn't have to be tied to my clinic. But I did have my clients. Um, I was working two days a week in my clinic. Um, and that was the, that was a really hard decision to make. Mm. Uh, but, but because we, um, we decided, you know, far in advance, I just stopped taking new clients, uh, you know, sort of three months before we left. And I just told all my clients that I was going away for a year. I referred them to a an, an local naturopath that I, I trust and I like her approach. Uh, so I gave them, them her, you know, details to be able to see her if they, they needed to. I also gave them the, um, the, the choice to be able to do Skype consults with me, but I do live blood analysis in clinic. So, you know, obviously that, that can't be done over Skype. And 
I didn't want to be doing too much of that while we were traveling either. So yeah. I would, I would, you know, do the odd Skype consult with people uh, while I was traveling. And I'm about, so we've only been back for four weeks, settling, settling back in. So I'm about to start back in clinic just one day a week because I do miss that, that, um, that one-on-one clinic work, but I will only just be doing doing one day a week because that's really all I can do um, in terms of balancing it with everything else I'm doing online. Mm. I, I remember talking to Lise Alshala, a lady who's very dear to my heart. Um, she specialises in um, supporting patients through their cancer journey, and mm. um, she does much of her clinical life as Skype consults, and she says, I love it. You know, I do an initial consult, but I love Skype consults because I say, great, we're on Skype and you're on camera. Take me to your larder. Ah, yeah, that's a good idea. And she says, I love it because I can see exactly what they're eating. There's no hiding. Open your fridge door and point the computer in there. Oh, that's great. I love it. I'll have to try that one. Yeah, I thought it was a cracker. Yeah, and look, with the technology these days, you know, you can actually see people. It's it's not the same as as face to face, um, but you know, you can you you can see people on Skype and you can have a conversation. So it's almost like they're in the room with you. Yeah. So if you're going to be teaching other practitioners about how to develop a passive income, I, I know that you talk about the myth of passive income. Because passive income is something that's going ka-ching, ka-ching in the background while you're doing what you love. Mm-hmm. If you're a practitioner, yeah. how do you do that? Yeah, so I, I like to um, kind of dispel, you know, the, passive income is really what drew me to online business because I thought, wow, that sounds, sounds good. You know, I can be making money while I sleep or while I, you know, lay on the beach or whatever. Um, but but I soon found that there was nothing passive about it. I mean, the the great thing with online business is you can you know you develop these programs or write a, write a book and and format it into an ebook and you know that you can use them over and over and really there's no limit in the amount of people you can enrol in an in an online program depending on what sort of support that you're um, offering with that. But the thing is that you always want to um, upgrade things. You always want to redo certain parts of it, um, you know, because of the latest research that's come out or something new that you've learned. Um, And there's always the the marketing and the selling side of it, which doesn't just happen on its own. So I really do think that, that, that passive income is a myth. Um, I mean, there's, you know, an example of, um, I guess, fairly passive income that I make is through affiliate links. So I now that I've got a, a decent sort of audience and following, I can put links on my resources page as an example mm. on my website, just to different eBooks or different programs that I recommend. And if someone clicks through on those and buys, then I make a commission. Um, so that's, Mm, so that that's fairly passive, and that you know that's a, a nice little um, bonus bonus at the end of the month. Or I I'm an affiliate for some other programs that sort of do live launches that I believe um, complement my program. So and those sorts of um, programs offer really good affiliate commissions. You know you can earn up to sort of fifty percent of of what they're selling them for. Uh, so. 
you know, that that sort of income is is fairly passive, although you still have to tell tell your audience about it. But I think it's really important for, for practitioners to know that, that online business isn't necessarily passive, but it can be quite exciting when you're – I remember the first time I launched my Natural Super Kids program, and I spent all this time working on it and developing it, and then I went off to my son's footy carnival, and we were there all day, and, you know, my phone was chinging with um with, with income coming in from PayPal from these programs really? that I was selling. So, yeah. Can I, can I just say something? I feel so stupid. <laughs> with, with, well, with regards to social media and the power of, like, I, I, you know, you hear about, you know, oh, Charlie, that hurt my finger. You know, the old famous YouTube thing of the kid who bit his yeah. brother's finger and they, their kids are millionaires now. But you don't think that there's these other, you don't really think that it's in can't, that there's a practical way for everybody to do this. I mean, this is really mm. exciting stuff, and you do it ethically. You do it by helping people live happier, healthier lives, eating better food. So it's not like you're mm. selling a you know horrible f- processed food or something over the internet that's going to degrade their health. So I really, no, I really applaud exactly. you. I really do. This is awesome stuff. So you, you. you teach practitioners how to do this stuff just like you did. I, so, so yeah, I do a bit of that on the on the side, um, and that that really came from practitioners, uh, you know, contacting me and saying, "Oh, I would love to put a program together. Where do I start?" And I've spent four years now learning this stuff. You know, I've really, wow. I've really dived into all kinds of different trainings and um, and that sort of thing on online business because it's, there's there's a lot to consider and there's a lot to keep up with, and it's really important that you get you know, crystal clear on, on what your message is going to be. You can't just sort of, um, well, we, we talk about this as, as practitioners in clinic, you know, it's really good to have a specialty. But when you're online, that becomes even more important because if you just put out a general get healthy with a naturopath program, really not not many people are going to buy it. It needs to solve a very specific um, challenge that people are having. So that that's kind of where I start with practitioners, um, you know, trying to really help them get clear on their message, but then also everything, everything around that, um, you know, developing their, their programs or eBooks and then how to market them, how to build their, their following, um, build their email list, build their social media following. There's so many different parts to the puzzle that it can be really helpful, um, having someone to sort of guide you, guide you through that. I feel so stupid. <laughs> I seriously like. I, I got to say, my my colleague, I call her my sister because she basically, like, very dear to my heart. But she she um, basically tries to organise me, fails dismally, um, and that's Rebecca Gill. She uh, she's learnt so much about social media and what it can do and how to work it and things like that. You're just compounding this knowledge about how it can work for you. I've got to ask, though, what sort of lifestyle has this generated for you? And I'm going to ask this. I'm going to be a a little bit blunt. Forgive me. I don't don't want to pry, but I've heard stories before about, oh, you know, this naturopath overseas. Why? Their husband's a pilot. Um, You know, so (laughs) what's it done for you? As in, has this been financially successful in its own right? Yeah, look, it has. And we we made the decision early on when I – 
you know, when I wanted to go down the online route um, and I was doing two days in clinic, it was it was full on and, and I was doing it, you know, all on my own. I didn't have an admin assistant or a receptionist or so I was doing my supplement ordering and, you know, all, all of those, those um, pieces of the puzzle. So it was all too much with kids. So my husband actually um, stepped down his work commitments, which he was quite happy to do at the time. Um, to, to take on more of the, you know, the running of the household and the kids. And so he went down to, to part-time. So I Hats off to him. Do this. Yeah, I know. Amazing, hey? Hats um, off to him. So I, so I have always been able to, you know, be, be, been able to support the family with, with what I'm doing. Um, so, yeah, it, it, and it's allowed us, like I said, to go on our um, big adventure around Australia. Um, without the online income coming in, we wouldn't have been able to do that. Mm, mm. Uh, and and now I I feel like I've gotten up to a point. There's still busy times. I'm I'm um, in a launch right now of my so launch time. Talk to any online business person is. Really crazy. So I'm putting in some um, big hours at the moment, but then it comes in waves. You know, once my launch is done, I, it'll all settle down again. Um, so you've definitely got to be ready for putting, you know, so, some hard work in and, and getting the hours um, up. Yeah. But it it definitely well, it's always paid off for me. And I've I've always had the approach to not over invest. Like I didn't get a a $20,000 website built, you know, right, right from the start at all. I don't, I still don't have a $20,000 website. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I did things, I did a lot of stuff on my own. Um, you know, I did my own videos for my programs and I've slowly upgraded things as the income comes in. So yeah. I haven't, you know, I have, we haven't invested a lot of our own money. I have invested a lot of my own time though. Um, and the thing with online business is you have to invest all this time to put out free content to then get people to be interested in buying your program. So it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a risk, which is why I think it's important to just start slowly and sort of test test the waters, so to speak. See what your audience um, wants from you. Uh, see what sort of you know what, what challenges they're having. Really have that really open communication with them. Um, and, you know, and go from there. Because if you put something out that you think people need, it might not necessarily be something that people are going to click on the buy now button for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you are doing, doing this low cost, time effective way of generating income, it just smacks of um, what James Maskell talks about um, with uh, talking about, um, I think, micro clinics, I think he calls them basically okay. not, not small, but low cost, start low. You know, you don't have to have this, as you call it, a $20,000 website if you can build your own for free yeah. and start somewhere. But I've got to ask, what would you say not to do? Yeah. So I would say not to do it all alone. I think you definitely need to invest in some help and whether that's like a mentor or a coach to help guide you through the process. Or I recently um, told a, a, a naturopath client that's um, building her business. She was, she was working on her own website, but it was taking her months. So you don't necessarily have to, t have to spend big bucks, but get someone to, you know, spend a few thousand dollars and get it off your plate <laughs> and get someone else to do that while you work on, on, you know, the content of the program that you're going to sell as an example. So, 
um, you know, as as experts yep. um, in terms of us being practitioners, um, we need to be focusing on the, you know, our area of expertise, not spending hours trying to get our head around how to set up a Facebook ad, as an example. Um, I think it's, you know, and I've made the mistake of doing a lot of that myself, Um but I think it's, you know, it's important to get help um, if things are sort of holding you back and and not and not to feel like everything has to be perfect before you launch it out into the world. Um, the first program that I launched, the, which was my Natural Super Kids program, I hadn't even um, built the whole program yet. I hadn't even created the whole program yet. I knew what the outline was and I, you know, got wow. a sales page up and I sold the program. Um, and then I, I had the first two weeks created and then I created as I went just because I knew that it was just going to take me too long. If I yeah. had that deadline of, um, well, you know, week three is coming up and I need to get, get the content out there. I just work better and under a bit of pressure. <laughs> oh, that's well um, done. Uh, look, yeah. I, I, I fall into that. I know I do. The fear of, the fear of failure. Well, Do, and, and knowing something has to get done, you know, you just get it done, don't you? <laughs> so, so did you have that fear of failure, and did you? How did you overcome it? What, what did you? What was yeah, your mind? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely had, you know, those. I think every time I launch, still I have that fear of, oh, you know, what if no one buys? It, um, it, it's pretty scary because you've put all that work in, um, to to do it in the first place. So, I think just, um. You know, be, being positive, the self-care stuff really helps. Like I really make sure that I step that up when I'm when I'm putting myself out there in a launch because you really do have to put yourself out there and, um, you know, there's all that fear of, well, what, you know, am I, am I really good enough or what will people think or what if I fail? Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm big on making sure that I do sort of 10 minutes of meditation um, at least a you know a twenty to thirty minute walk on the beach, that sort of thing really yep. helps to sort of clear your mind, and also surrounding yourself with supportive people that are you know that will sort of um, cheer, cheer you along. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nourishment doesn't just come from food; it comes from interactions with nature, people as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's so, a really good point. So practitioners can get support that you offer now energeticmama.com forward slash practitioners we'll put that up on the fx medicine website definitely i've got one last question for you before we leave for the day jessica and that is while you were traveling around enjoying these incredible sights of an ancient land how much time did you have to say i'm sorry honey kids i'm sorry i can't enjoy the horizontal waterfall just now because i have to attend to my online business how did it, how much did you have to spend while you were doing this? Yeah, look, not not too much at all. I did it in chunks of time. So I would, you know, I probably had um, probably about seven, seven or eight months off, um, you know, off of work. Saying off, I still kept up with my social media posts yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, fairly regular emails out to my list. But um, not not a lot um, of work during that time, and then we would stop, and um, you know it would be work time for for four or six weeks. So um, you know while I sort of launched a program and and ran the program as well. So 
I, I didn't feel like I missed out on a lot. Um, you know, I definitely didn't miss out on any of the, the highlights. And it was kind of a nice excuse to have a bit of a break from the family. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so you, you, you travelled around Australia. You, you stopped at a place hundreds of miles from your bricks and mortar home and you launched a program that created business for you. Yes, I did. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Wow. And, you know, there was, the, there was the issue of internet. So you couldn't, you know, the internet in some places in, uh, in Australia is pretty atrocious. So that was a bit of a challenge. Um, but, yeah, that's exactly what I did. That's incredible. You are incredible. Thank you. <laughs> Jessica, it's been an absolute pleasure listening and learning from you. Um, indeed, not just around the great food ideas about, um, you know, how we can improve kids' nutrition in schools please everybody but also how practitioners can develop an ethical um, passive income dare I say that thing that you don't like but it seems to be this sort of passive income or at least an active income while they're doing what they love so they can have a a perfect work-life balance I I really applaud you this is just this is brilliantly done thank you it's been really nice to um, yeah chat and, and share my story look forward to meeting you someday when you're on another trip (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Bye. This is FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. If you're loving our FX Medicine podcasts, please don't forget to share us with your colleagues, family and friends. This is Andrew from FX Medicine. We thank you so much for your support over the last two years. We'd really love to remain clinically relevant to your practice. So if you know of an expert in some area, please let us know. You can contact us on fxmedicine.com.au, Facebook or Twitter.